Kia ora koutou, no mai te mai. For those of you who don't know me, Jeremiah is my name. I think I pretty much know everyone this morning. But it is good to see you this morning. You made it out in the cold. Well done. Last week, if you were here, or maybe you weren't here, but you would probably know, last week we celebrated one year as Life Church QE2. And I, oh good, some people are excited about it. And I shared a message on how we should look back. We should look back at the last year and see God's faithfulness. Look back and see what the Lord has done in us. The people, the ones, the twos, the families who make up his church. We should tell stories of the past, tell stories of his goodness. Tell stories of people who've met Jesus and had great transformation in their lives, the hope of Jesus. But why? All so that we can, with great faith, keep walking forward in the mission of God. We look back so that we can walk forward with confidence. Confidence in his faithfulness, confidence in his love and in his grace, confidence in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now maybe some of you don't think that you could look back at your own stories. Maybe for some the seasons have been quite difficult and have just been going through a really rough patch. And it's actually quite hard to notice God in the daily grind. But I encouraged you to look back a little further. Look back just a little bit more because it is There, God is ever-present, ever-working, always good, always full of grace. We might just have to look back a little further. And if we have to look back all the way to the empty cross and the risen Savior, then what a great place to, with confidence, walk forward from. Because that is a story that we all share. It's an invite to all of humanity not just those of us who gather on a Sunday morning, an invitation to be part of Christ's story. What Jesus did is for all people. It's for every one. To know that our sins have been forgiven and now we have free access to God, not through religious ceremony, but through relationship with him. It's to live with total freedom in Christ and to carry something of purpose that we believe other people need to know. Now this morning I want to tell us a story, a story that many of us will know very, very well. In Luke chapter 15, 11 to 31, Jesus tells us the story of the prodigal son, about a child who walked away from his loving home thinking that he wanted to live life his way and it was better than his father's way. It's a story that Jesus told to his followers to illustrate the great love that Jesus, that God has for all people, regardless of the choices that we've each made. The story of the son who knew or thought he knew better and went out seeking a life on his own. He left a heartbroken father and a brother who my guess is was probably relatively pleased he was finally gone after being so rude to his dad. But if you know the story, he went off and he lived, by the, in terms of the world, he lived a great life. He lived a life that would thought, that thought, 
would bring him great success and great happiness. If the world or others around him said that it was a good thing, he signed up. If something was popular at the moment, he indulged. Friends that seemed popular, he hung out with. Parties where the best of the world and the things of the world were, he definitely posted about on his Instagram. But after a while, the good things of the world, the things that the world said was right for him, began to feel empty. The admiration and the adulation of others slowly faded away. And soon the son realized that he'd been sold a counterfeit. The praise of people and the popular things of the world fell away and he was left with nothing. Not only that, but a great recession hit the land and there wasn't enough to go around at all and certainly not enough for him. So he found himself a job taking scraps to the pigs. Now, at least he'd found a job, but it didn't pay very well and still he was left with nothing to his name and he was slowly wasting away. You'll know that he got to the point where he looked at the food scraps that he was feeding the pigs and thought, hmm, it's got to be edible. I've got to have something to fill my puku. Now, I don't know about you, but we had pigs growing up and we used to have to take them scraps and slop them in the pigsty, throwing the slightly moldy bread or the crates of apples into the, into the pig's pen. And I don't know about you, but it would have taken a lot for me to even consider that that might be edible. So I think we can safely say that this man had hit rock bottom. Perhaps today you can identify with the sun. Maybe even for the first time. Maybe there are feelings of being alone and not left with a lot. Empty from what the world has told you is important or successful. Or maybe you're not quite there yet. You know, oh, no, I haven't hit rock bottom. But if you look forward in your life, you can see the signs. Perhaps I haven't got the order quite right. Jesus at the center not what's popular. But there is good news because that story is not over. Jesus continues telling this parable. He talks about a father who stood out on his porch at the front of the house just thinking about his son, waiting for his son, desperate for his son to come home. And Jesus says that while he was still a long way off, the father sees him. Then what does he do next? Cast him out? Send the guards to the gate and tell him, go away, you idiot. No. He had every reason to turn his son away. But that was not his response. Not only did he run out to greet him, which broke the social rules of the time, but he then prepared a banquet and celebrates. His son was lost, but now he is found. Seated at the table, over a meal, a banquet even. At the table is where the restoration happened. Invite people, call people, draw them to the table of restoration. No matter where you are in your relationship with God, whether you are close or whether you are far away, God sees you. 
and he is calling you home. He has prepared for you a banquet, a banquet of hope, of grace, of purpose, of sonship, calling you home, inviting you to the table of restoration. That is this story. But I want for a moment to look at the father's response. Because what if we were in the father's position? Maybe we have stories of people we loved and knew who have walked away from us, who've hurt us, been rude to us, or like the son of the story, thought they would be better off without us. It's the father's response that's the pattern of how we should respond desperate for them to come home, desperate for them to know hope again, desperate for faith to rise up in them. How much time do you spend looking out for those who are lost? Looking to the horizon, to the other end of your office, to the other end of your hallway at home, waiting, thinking, desperate for your son, for your daughter, for your colleague to know Jesus. And then when you see them, when they're still maybe a long way off, do we just wait a moment until they get a little closer before they come into the church doors before we engage them? No, we run out to them. Wherever they are, we meet them on their way. Like the Father, we go to where they are at. We can become desperate to go after the one the ones who don't yet know Jesus, or perhaps the ones who did once know him. We're a church who doesn't just do missions, we're a church on mission, desperate for people to know Jesus. Have you ever been so desperate that you've broken a few social no-nos? You know those social rules that we all have, but... You've realized that the importance of getting something done means that you might have to break a few rules. I don't know if you've ever woken up past your alarm and realized that you're late for something and so you've skipped that morning shower and so maybe you smell a little bit more than you should that day. Or you just had to get the kids to preschool and you didn't have time to brush my teeth. So you've had to have a mint on the way to work. You've broken those social rules. Why? Because you're so desperate to get there on time, knowing that it is of great importance. So how desperate are you? How much do you really want this? If you are desperate to not arrive late somewhere, you might go a little faster in your car than perhaps you are supposed to to get to that appointment, to get the kids to school, to get home to put dinner on before the guests arrive. Perhaps you maybe push that speed limit. Oh, well, you actually just justify, oh, my speedometer's probably out. It'll be, I'll just go a few kilometers faster, it'll be fine. Prepared to break some of the rules to get to where you need to go. Now, I'm not endorsing this behavior. I'm not endorsing speeding. But I'm simply asking if perhaps you've been in that position where you've been prepared to skip something, to push the boundaries a little more. So what social conventions are we prepared to break to be desperate for people to know Jesus? Are you prepared to break some social rules for work? If you're prepared to break some social rules or for work or for, a, for an appointment, what things can we lay down for the cause of Christ? 
Will we break the rules of what others might think of me? Will we break the rules of my position or my standing in the room? My role in an organization? Will we let how much I know get in the way of my desperation for people to know the person of Jesus? Desiring people to come and sit with us at the table of restoration. Craig Rochelle, a pastor in the States, says this. He says, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't yet know Christ. We need to understand that these people who need to know about Jesus, they're not just nameless, faceless people that we talk about on a Sunday morning needing to know about hope. They're your friends, your family, your sons, your daughters, your nieces, nephews, grandchildren, colleagues at work, your boss. Everyone is important to God. They're your flatmates, your uni friends. These are people you know. This is the gospel that's built on us, on this. In fact, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells us three stories in, the row, in a row about going after just one more. In Luke chapter 15, he tells this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go and search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than, than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. And he tells a story about a lost coin. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house? And search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she will gather, call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in heaven, in the presence of God's angels, when even one sinner repents. And straight after this, Jesus goes on to tell the story of the lost son. Three times, three stories in one chapter. You can hear Jesus saying, come on, do you get it yet? The value of one more. Yes, you've got 99. Yes, you've got nine. Yes, you've got one out of two. But there is still one more. It's not enough. The set's not complete. Don't become complacent with what you have and think, oh, 99, it's pretty close. One out of two, 50%'s not bad. See the value in one more, because there's always one more. Yes, I have 99, but it's not enough because I need 100. Yes, you've got 99, but there, yes, you want, you've got nine, but there's actually 10. Yes, you've got one, but there's actually two. Make room for one more. Be desperate about one more. Care about the one more. See value in the one more. Search the entire house until you can find the one more. Don't be satisfied and think, oh, that's close enough. Notice the one more. This is the gospel that Jesus sent, Jesus, God sent Jesus for all people. 
Not just the religious ones. Not just those who've grown up in church. Not just those who, when they're saved, they would have a great testimony. Jesus came for all, for everyone. He wants everyone. When the farmer found his one sheep, he rejoiced, celebrated. I imagine he had people over to share a meal and give thanks because one had been restored. When the woman found her one coin, she rejoiced, she celebrated. I imagine she had people over, shared a meal and gave thanks because one had been restored. Let's not underestimate the power of rejoicing, celebrating, having people over because one could be restored. You know, we try and have lunch together here at QE2 as a church family every few weeks or every six weeks or however often we have pizzas. Because it's nice? Yeah. Because it's fun? Yeah. But because at the table, great things can take place. Conversations, celebrations, rejoicing, restoration. When was the last time you invited someone over for a meal? Maybe you can't afford to have someone over for a meal, but what about for a cup of tea? Intentionally opened up your life or went out looking, made space, made room for one more. I love in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, we find another story of a paralyzed man whose, whose friends knew Jesus. Now the friends knew that this man, this paralyzed man, needed Jesus. So they picked him up on his stretcher and took him to the house where Jesus was at. But such a large crowd had gathered that there was no room. So the friends gave up and went home. No. They knew he needed Jesus. So the friends climbed up on the roof. Now remember, they're carrying a man in a stretcher. They got up on the roof. They pulled back the, the pulled open the roof down through the ceiling and lowered the man in front of Jesus. So all of a sudden, the man was now in the room in front of Jesus. But just a, just a verse earlier, they said, but the room was full. There's always room for one more. The friends didn't walk away because it was all of a sudden a bit difficult because they had a bit of pushback from the crowd as they tried to push through. Knowing how important it was, they tore open the roof of a house to bring someone to Jesus. As the man was lowered through the roof to get to Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus saw their great faith, saw the faith of the man's friends, and he forgave his sins and healed him that day. His friends were desperate on his behalf. Can you imagine... The friends are like, we'll just climb up on the roof. I imagine the paralyzed man in the stretcher being like, it's fine. We'll come back another day. But his friends are like, you don't know who this person is. You don't know what he can do for you. His friends were desperate on his behalf. Ben, could you come join me back on stage? Our role as Christ followers isn't to fill up the church. It's to introduce people to Jesus. And as a result of people knowing Jesus, I believe that there's a desire within them to gather together as the church, to worship 
together. But it is and always should be about Jesus. That is the right order. Now we have some great resources if perhaps you don't always have the words or perhaps you know of one who is interested, who's started, who like the lost son is starting to make his way home but he's still a long way off and maybe you've noticed. We have a pathway book. It's a free gift that we have available at the Church Life Station every week. It simply goes through some of the the basics of our faith. Perhaps you just put it on the coffee table at work in the workroom or on your coffee table at home or on the table at your favourite cafe. I know some people who have taken at the back and just written their name and number and said, if you're ever interested in faith, give me a call. Maybe you could just give it to a friend, to a family member and say, hey, have you ever considered faith? I don't really have all the words to explain it. I can tell you of my experience, but do you want to have a read? Take one, take two, take five. Maybe don't take 10. We don't have enough this week, but if you want 10, we'll find you some. Care about the one. And we have foundations, a few Want to know more about the foundations of the faith? You know, when we did it, we did it last time, we did it with our life group, it's a great course. Even just some of the language that it uses helps to remind us, oh yeah, I can talk about my faith in this way. This is kind of some of the language. Oh yeah, that's what I actually believe. But someone else has articulated it for you in a way that you can learn to then share with others. Would you stand with me if you're able this morning? You know, one of the amazing things that happened when Jesus ascended back into heaven was that he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. And the person of the Holy Spirit walks with us daily. And wherever we are, whenever we gather and put ourselves in places of faith, the Holy Spirit is also with us. And I believe that even as we've worshipped this morning, even as I've spoken this morning, perhaps Holy Spirit has been speaking and prompting or stirring something in you. Perhaps it might not be a voice that you're really familiar with, but perhaps today as I've reminded you of the story of the prodigal son, you found yourself identifying with him a little bit, maybe even for the first time, and it's a little bit of a surprise to you. Maybe it's not even that you find yourself in his situation, but something resonated with the deep parts of you. Something of an invite or a calling to come and sit at the table of restoration with Jesus. Whether you've walked with Jesus for hundreds of years or whether you've walked with him just these last few weeks, our God is the same and he's one of mercy and grace. His arms are open wide. We don't need to come with guilt or shame or whatever we've been through or the choices we've made, it doesn't matter. But come back to him who is so full of love for you. God, if that's people this morning, 
Would your Holy Spirit speak to them? Would your presence overwhelm them? Your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness of what Jesus did on the cross, taking it all from us so that we could have relationship to you. God, we pray peace. We pray comfort. We pray, Holy Spirit, have your way in their lives. God, would you restore them? Even when the moments where they've got the order out of order, would you help them put Jesus back at the center, restore them again to right relationship with you? God, we thank you that your arms are always so open wide that you are the Father who sees us no matter how far away we are and you run towards us. Desperate for us to come home. So Lord, we pray for anyone who's resonated with that this morning, that they would be restored, they would feel your restoration power and your presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, maybe this morning you've You've heard me speak of this desperation to reach the ones in our lives. As I was preparing this week, I just felt God say, there just needs to be a desperation. There are some times I just stand and I watch and I watch, I'm not talking to anyone in particular at all, please hear me. I watch people sing and I watch people worship. I go, do you really mean it? Do you have that fire inside you that I can't help but take what I'm worshiping here back out into the streets, back out into my home, back out to the ones and twos in my life? And if that's you this morning, you're going, actually, I need a refreshing of that desperation for the great mission, for the commission to go and make disciples of all people, to tell people of the hope that I have. I want to do something that we don't often do, but I believe there's power in action. And I want to open up the front. And if you just want to get out of your seats and move forward, take a step and just say, that's me. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you re-fire? Would you light that fire inside my belly that I would go again to believe for the one more? For those that I've perhaps given up, I've sat and I've watched. I've sat and I've watched. I've sat and I've waited. I've sat and I've prayed and they're still not coming. God, would you help me to keep that desperation that one day they would come home, that that one day when I do see them in the far distance, I have the energy, I have the passion to run for them. I'm not gonna invite anyone to come and pray for you. If you'd like that, please just give someone a wave and they'd love to come stand with you. But it's just between you and God. And as we worship, step out of your seats or come to the front or nothing holy or special about the front. It's just saying to my body, I'm all in on this. Burn with a desire, a desperation for those who don't yet have the hope of salvation. God, for all those this morning that desire a refiring of your Holy Spirit to the great commission to reach every one. We pray that you would just burn something in their souls it would come again to go. The passion, the boldness, the desire, the desperation that all people might know the hope of Jesus. Have your way in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, team.